great theme songs for any TV show and that's Wise Guy and it's so odd that Musharraf chose to tell me about Wise Guy. Why did you think I would like this is my question. Did we, <laughs> did we discuss this? No, it was just uh, I was I was uh, I was on a I was on this device on, yes. on the TV like yes. some like an Apple TV type yes. thing and uh, it just popped up Wise Guy. Yes. And I looked at it and I got all emotional, right? And yeah. it's just like, I think it was just after Seri. And I like to stay up after Seri. So, you know, namashimas party yeah. and then not go to sleep immediately because you've just eaten. Yeah. And, you know, there's this whole new sort of health kick that I'm on where you're not supposed to sleep after you eat. Yeah. So I was like, wow, is, could it be that this is actually going to work? And so yeah. I clicked on yeah. on Wise Guy and right. it started playing. And so yeah. I watched the, the pilot which was an hour and 43 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then thereafter, like 43 minute long episodes. I don't know how many I got through, but now I'm completely, my, my head is completely populated by the brilliance of Ken Wall. Yeah. And, uh, and McPike, whatever his actual name is, but, but his boss. Yeah, who, who then became one of the central figures of Breaking Bad. Oh really? So I've yeah. never watched uh, I've never watched Breaking Bad. You you'll enjoy it. But okay. so this is really interesting. This is the second thing that you've brought up that we both love passionately. The first, of course, being Night Train, the most <laughs> underappreciated song of, of all time. Of, of, all, of all, time. all time. And the amazing thing is, I don't know um, if you followed up. Like I was obsessed. Like because I never saw Ken Wall after Wise Guy, and the thing was that he actually ended up breaking his back. And for a lot of people, he said it was an accident, but he was actually dating uh, a girlfriend of Rodney Dangerfield, who was this sort of, you might remember him, I'm sure. He used no, to make one-liners. Yeah, no, no, of course I remember Dangerfield. But wait, so so instead of a ball buster, we had a backbreaker. We had a backbreaker, <laughs> right? And he was apparently trying to escape her house undetected. Maybe Rodney had come over or something like that. He slipped down the stairs. They told the public it was a motorcycle accident, which of course suits the image of Ken Wall. Of course. But he actually slipped down the stairs. <laughs> and, and after that, you know, these opioid and these sort of addictions and all that. And then he ended up marrying uh, one from the Barbie twins who were also famous in another uh, gentleman yes. publication. Yeah. And uh, so that's sort of his story. And these days, his biggest thing is he's somewhat uh, a MAGA head who's... Oh, really? Yeah, because he's... Uh, not explicitly. Okay. But he's very into supporting veterans from U.S. wars and that's the charity he does. But there are indications that he's a bit of a MAGA head. But, I mean, I think this kind of... This this populist turn this is a global thing, right? Like, everybody... Isn't everybody kind of more anxious about their identity and even, like, even lefties, right? And, like, yeah. uh, tree huggers are, like... Yeah. Like uber tense about how they have yeah. to prove that they're like, yeah. well, look at me, right? Like, we still exist. Yeah. And and love will save the world. Like, yeah. By the way, this is something so interesting that you say this because I read a piece recently that I really liked and I just also thought that it applied in the context of Pakistan. I think it was called Nationalist Delusions, which was written by Adam Sarwar. Yeah, I <laughs> 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 have you read it? No, of course I've not read it. Anything that starts with nationalist delusions, as I, as I reject 
wholeheartedly right away. Why, why, why is always the delusion the nationalists? Nationalists rule the world, bro. Oh, absolutely. It's the, it's the anti-nationals yeah, yeah. That, that are delusional, yeah. thinking that they actually have a chance. No, no, I agree. I agree. And they rule like for 10 years and then 30 years we pick up the pieces <laughs> and scene set is Oh, is this Adam Server? I, I love Adam Server, by the way. I, I, think, I, think, really I think within the progressive sort of enclave in the U.S., yeah. uh, he's he's a really, I think he's a really compassionate and, and powerful voice. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, the reason I just brought it up because I was remembering is that I'm also one of those guys who sometimes that when you talk about virtue signaling and all those things, some there's an area where you tend to criticize the left for maybe you're just too out there and concerned with such a microscopic, minuscule issue that it doesn't have any bearing on the larger like, discourse. Like people not being poisoned to death, people not being killed for their religion or their identity. Exactly, right? It's a minor issue. Minor issue. Things that don't matter. Things that don't matter. But <laughs> Human but, life and dignity but, and rights. Yeah, and, and right. what his piece was just saying, which I don't think I can capture well enough, but it was looking at it differently, which is that the mainstream is always doesn't have to talk about identity because their identity is one that is the only one that is not under question. And that every other one where we tend to say identity politics is discursive, useless, or divisive is partly because those politics are trying to get a sense of equality. And the advantage the majority has is that it doesn't have to prove its bona fides in that particular case. It's, anyhow, this is a very... Unless you're like an Indian sort of Hindutva body. Because, I mean, Hinduism is under great threat in yeah. India. Yeah. And so there's a national movement now, yeah. two consecutive elections, yeah. massive support. But with a billion people, you need two elections to save. <laughs> no, but it's not to that save, easy. To save. I mean, it's, all, it's almost uh, as wondrous, and, or maybe even more so, than, than Pakistan's uh, stature yeah. as the savior of Islam. Yeah. I mean, until Pakistan, and especially until people yeah. who were born in the 90s came yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, as you know, but Islam was in great danger. Yeah. Um, so, and now it's like in a safe space. Well, it's it's getting there. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, I, I think we need to crush a few uh, anti-Islam voices yeah. uh, totally yeah. before they before they sort of before we can de declare victory. But I think we're there. I think we're, we're almost, almost there. Yeah. But anyhow, so it's just interesting. I don't know how Ken Wall led to this, but <laughs> I think he probably won't like it. Also, no, no. But the best part is. Doesn't everything eventually lead to this kind of bittersweet, slightly snarky, slightly sarky yeah. kind of disposition where, you know, if someone's not hurt us or if someone doesn't know us intimately, yeah. they could totally take the entire conversation at face value? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and plus, I mean, uh, usually Hollywood was the best place to be an actor, but today the best place to be an actor is bad faith actors. So they love taking any conversation and little snippets and putting it somewhere else. So I agree, absolutely. Do you think that it's bad faith that makes people do that? Like where people take one tweet from mm. like six years ago and say, ha gotcha, right? Yeah. Like, you know, poor Shabazz Gil. I mean, yeah. I did this to yeah. him, right? Uh, yeah. The other day. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. He had a fight with Khurram. I, I tweeted the whole story, right? Yeah. Khurram Dasagir had some fight with him on, yeah. on TV. And then it popped up in one of the WhatsApp groups probably one of the ones secretly run by Mariam Navashi. <laughs> um, and it popped up and I was like, oh, what's this? And who's this guy? And why is he on TV? Yeah. And then he's a spokesperson for the chief minister. And yeah. I was like, whoa, like how do I, yeah. usually I'd sort of follow this stuff closely. And so I went and looked him up. I couldn't find him. And then I searched for him on Twitter. Yeah. And then I found him speaking uh, to me. He about, was an acquaintance, actually. Yeah, <laughs> a buddy of mine, yeah, from the Dharna days. He yeah. wanted to, in his tweet, he said he wanted to pee on my face. And yeah. I'm like, bro, like, salam alaikum, but, yeah. like, I don't roll like that. I'm not but Trump. I, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, yeah, this is in Moscow. And, yeah, and you're not, you're not 6'2". Yeah. You know, anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, but that's really interesting, right? So I I do think that I mean it, I I think it's hard to generalize, but it's very interesting that if you take something like from six years ago and then you insist on cancellation of that person, 
uh, without having to acknowledge necessarily that they could have grown in that period? Well, or? he clearly has grown. He's the spokesperson of the chief minister. I think he does a really good job. I think actually, you know, people people find these folks really divisive. You know, the spokesperson types. Yeah. But I think some of the some of the ones that are actually trying to do it are doing a I think bang up job. Like yeah. I think for what they're trying to do, they're doing pretty pretty well. I mean, this guy's trying to defend Usman Buzdar. Yeah. I mean, anybody who even gets <laughs> up in the morning and goes to work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mazatov. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is an amazing yeah. pair of, uh, as they say in, uh, I don't know where, but you know, yeah. like, it takes a lot of, yeah. takes a lot of guts, lots of courage, lots of, I'm sure, intellectual wherewithal to to create yeah. the fantasy world in which that's a defensible sort of appointment, and you know, Punjab yeah. is doing well. But I mean, that's my own opinion. But I mean, salute to him. He's He's trying to defend something that I think is pretty pretty hard to defend. Yeah, no, but you know, it's interesting just on the larger point is I've been sort of thinking about this and one of the things is that... It's two hours. It's two hours? <laughs> yeah, it's a 24-hour clock. It's two hours, like 0200. 0200, yeah. okay. The fact that you need reminding is worrisome. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my. It's not my house, man. We're in your place. Right. Was, I don't know. It was your alarm clock? That was my alarm clock. But yeah. So by the way, now people know that we're sitting here at two hours. Yes. And I also admitted that it's a. It's a. It's a twenty-four hour clock. So yes. people also know that it's you know, two a.m. <laughs> these guys are buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's pre-seri bus time. Pre-seri bus time. Yeah, but no, it's it's interesting. I I think. Coming back to say the larger topic at hand is our question was, is that are things as bad as people are saying or are they actually better? But this is just a sort of narrative problem. So since you framed the question, why yeah. don't you answer it? So I personally think that the thing that I compare it to, like at least in terms of the economy, is basically between 2007 and 2011, mm -hmm. where if you actually look at it objectively, things were significantly worse. Mm -hmm. And maybe not in terms of just, say, the one thing that everyone looks at, which is the current account, but you had an insurgency that really came into full swing, thousands of people dying, people not going out. You had electricity cuts of 10 hours a day, even the urban centers were affected. You were compounded with a worldwide recession. And then you had the commodity price shock where everything essentially doubled. And uh, inside the country you had, you know, low growth, high inflation, which is where we would probably go in the next year or so. So I just think that I remember from that time and the fact that that could be controlled is something that... Um, so one of the things, like, I know you have a different position on now that I hear Hafiz Sheikh is in. I actually don't have such a big problem with that, partly because he's not going to Right? And but the question about what's maybe the problem? The problem is, I think, so I see three, four problems, right? One issue is, I think it's a question of coherence. Is like, what's the plan? Uh, you want Medina Gerasid. Uh, you want Scandinavian welfare state and you want austerity, right? And so there's a problem with these. Um, I also think that the other issue is that the magnification of presumed competence is one which I think very few people will actually be able to live up to. And the third is obviously is that, for lack of a better word, is the establishment's continued and growing presence in dictating policy is something that's worrisome and you need a strong government in order to keep that in check. So that's where I sort of am at right now. I heard all your analysis, but I didn't hear your judgment because the question you, you posed was, are things as bad as they seem or are things being magnified for whatever reason and are things actually not as bad? 
as they as they're being made to seem at least on television so i i actually think that things are pretty bad i don't think the government is doing well i think that with the changes in place can it do better not all the appointments give you confidence i don't actually have a problem with appointments in the economy i think that uh the problem of course is is that you really worry is that if you're in the midst of negotiations with IMF or all that, you cannot be changing your team twice or thrice in a row, which is a significant problem. I also think is that the IMF pull of a total of maybe six to nine billion dollars, given the scale of repayments that are coming in, of course, you can do rollovers and things like that. So I, I think, yeah, things are um, as bad as they seem. The only thing that I keep getting is that I keep going back to 2007 to 2011. And I think that if we could get through that, pretty much we could get through this. The other question, of course, is, is that do you want to be a nation state that wants to get through things? Or do you want to be developed in a different level? And I think that, of course, is right now at least not part of the question. The first is that... So, unlike you, I'm going to answer the question more clearly. Okay, please. I'll let you ask it again. Okay. The question is, uh, are things as bad as they seem? Or is this just a narrative problem? Things are not as bad as they seem. Things are not as bad as they are being made out to be. Uh, Things are nowhere near that bad. Uh, The record for inflation in this country is about 24% in a year. I think it was 1974. And the second highest was 1973. That was 22%. And then the third highest was actually 2009, if I'm not mistaken, which was uh, brought about at least partially as a part, uh, part and parcel of the global financial crisis. Yeah. Um, the worst projection for inflation over the next two years is a 16% projection by Karda, Shahid Kardar and Hafiz Pasha, um, both of whom are uh, beloved within the PTI yeah. and are considered to be quite good. I have all the time in the world for both of them. Um, 16% inflation. There's just no measuring stick on the planet that that defines that as some overblown crisis, yeah. the, uh, you know, with the end of days. Yeah. I think the larger set of questions that where people should be concerned and where there is an emergency is in the laboratory of ideas and the stock of hope in this country for every Pakistani child that's born to have the same shot at a decent life that children born in Singapore and Finland have. I think that stock of hope is very rapidly shrinking because at some level, I think even Nawaz Sharif supporters wouldn't ever attribute reformist credentials to the PMLN. Yeah. But even BTI's opponents would, would submit or, or, or concur that the PTI has a reformist uh, mindset. Uh, its entire ethos is that they don't like the existing system and they want to change it. So the bigger, I think, question is, there is a bunch of, you know, well-heeled, um, nice-smelling aunties and uncles who've never been engaged with politics in this country, who in 2011 saw a moment that they could relate to and felt comfortable with. And I, I don't mean aunties and uncles pejoratively. I'm talking about myself. I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore either. People from our generation, people who could relate to wise guy. Because I think, I mean, for younger listeners, never I don't think they, they, they know even now what we're talking about. And I don't think they're even moved to, to Google it because it's yeah. just it's just a crappy reference. And, you know, but the yeah. point is for people who can relate to it, this was really the first and only political love they were going to have. Yeah. And I hope they don't give up. But if they did, you can't really hold it against them because the amount of nonsense in the discourse and its pitch is so high that it's impossible to, to see the, you know, to see the, the clouds from the sky, if you will. Right. 
I think that <clears throat> growth has slowed down and that's a catastrophe. But I also think that probably my exuberance for the kind of growth we had, at least partially, didn't explore deeply enough the risks that came with that kind of growth. So I think if we're having a conversation about the economy, and a lot of us are, we're talking about it in a, I think, more robust way. There's more people talking about the economy today, Fussy, than ever before in our country, in terms of the people that shape the discourse. I think that's a good thing. There's more questions about reform that are taking place than ever before. And then, perhaps, at least for me, the, maybe the most important thing is, longer term, I think, People are, should be questioning our democratic system, the way it works, and the kind of power wielded by the security establishment versus the prime minister of the country. And one more thing that's even more important than that is the power vested by and resting in the powerful. And that's not just the military, that's the rich people, the people with capital. So if you look at the dynamic in just within Prime Minister Imran Khan's inner circle and cabinet, you can see clearly who the reform who the middle class educated reformers are and were and where they're at today, and who the really, really rich people who are there to protect their capital are and where they are today. And I don't mind taking names. Asad Umar, gone. Harun Sharif, gone. Razak Daoud, New contract, Mohan the Dam, Jangir Tarim, Khusra Bakhtiar, sugar prices where they need to be for profits galore. So I think if there's a problem, the problem is that the power equation in this country was supposed to change. Tariqa Insaf was going to change the equation, the tilted playing field in this country where everything was going towards the rich and, you know, all the corruption and everything. Imran Khan was supposed to come and flip that upside the head. And what he's actually done is he's body slammed, educated, middle class hopes, not just in an abstraction, but in a visible way. He's basically said, I would rather have the certainty that you also clearly prefer of Afi Sheikh Hafiz Sheikh, who will serve General Musharraf and serve President Zardari and serve Prime Minister Khan, because He's that's what he does. That's what he does, yeah. right? As opposed to a reformist, Asad Umar, who maybe didn't know everything he needed to know, certainly wasn't prepared the way he should have been prepared, certainly didn't make decisions fast enough, but at least we always knew with Asad Umar what direction the argument would be in a cabinet meeting, towards the rich and the powerful or away from them. And you can see what's happened to those folks. I think the last man standing and the last hope standing, at least from my perspective, is Shabbar Zedi. Uh, full disclosure, he's no relation of mine. I've shaken You're all related. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people listening actually believe that? <laughs> and they believe it. it's a malign sort of a conspiracy, right? So, yeah, of course we're all related. Yeah. yeah. No... I don't know if I uh, agree with this entirely. I think, look, I think I don't think there's a danger of hope being lost. Hope may be lost in one political party, but I think people have always, you know, it's the iterative process. You find new people, new actors come into play. But I also think that... Wait, hold on. Yeah. Let me challenge you right there. Yeah. The young PTI voter hmm. from... Let's just start with a city. Yeah. From Noshera. Yeah. Just slightly outside of me in Noshera town. Yeah. 24 years old. Yeah. Second time going to, to vote. Yes. First time right after his birthday. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Second time. Let's say he's 25 just yeah. to be really safe. Yeah. Came in and voted for the second time for the PTI. Yeah. Really believes this is the answer. Yeah. He's slightly religious. Loves his Pashto. Yeah. Has seen a few bad things. Yeah. Saw a terrorist attack happen. Yeah. That young man, if the PTI dashes his hopes for, for reform and for change in his society and his circumstances, you're telling me that there's some other visible option in the horizon for this young man? No, I, per yes, I actually believe that. 
I believe that people end up making choices and if they want to engage... So, so Mulana Fazul Rahman is going to be the great white hope for, for young... Uh, Very well. I mean, for, there is a... Young, uh, Jamaat Jamaat-e Islami, look, Jamaat-e Islami voters went on to PTI, for example. There's, of course, a lot of voters from ANP who've gone to PTI. There is no reason to assume that this is the end of that process. No, no, it's not the end of that process. But right. the PTI was a new... Th- the whole reason why the young KP voter yeah. has gone in such large numbers. I mean, yeah. I know that our friends in the ANP don't like hearing this. Yeah. But the PTI is a legitimate powerhouse of a political force in KP. No, uh, nobody. No, yeah. no, I mean, lives in like sort of the mainstream doesn't want to actually for some. I mean, I think we know the reasons, right? I yeah. mean, we have a city centric and a Lahore and Karachi centric yeah. national discourse. But the fact of the matter is something revolutionary has happened in KP yeah. in terms of the, the manner and the, the, the true tsunami yeah. is actually in the KP. Now, I have a theory about why that is. Yeah. This is a post-conflict society that's yeah. dealing with the stress and the and the aftermath of that conflict yeah. and is actually just rejecting everything that's associated with that conflict. So it's JEI, JUI, ANP, PPP. It doesn't matter because yeah. they all represent the old. Yeah. And the and the, the primary reason why Imran Khan represents the new is that he actually is new. Mm-hmm. As opposed to all of them, he's never had this opportunity. But the amazing thing is that rather than dispensing with him after one try, they, they went back to him. Yeah. I'm asking you Honestly speaking, if this young man, 24, 25 years old, from just outside Nosheda, yeah, feels that Imran Khan has betrayed him or let him down, where does he go? And you're telling me there's a mainstream, legitimate, democratic, parliamentary force that can respond to this kid's needs? Absolutely. I think it depends on what his preferences are. If he's got a slight amount of nationalism in he's got one choice. If he's got a religious bent, he's got several choices. If he... Okay, yeah. uh, so, so, so I think you're right. So if he's got a slightly nationalist bent, yeah. he's going PTM, yeah. which I don't think is a mainstream Democrat. No, even ANP. Right ANP is uh, not... He's not going back to ANP. ANP is he's not, not going, that's finished. No, I'm, I don't think ANP is finished, but yeah. he's not going back to the ANP. Right. He's 24, yeah. not 34, yeah. right? And on the religious side, yeah, he has many options because he yeah. can go onto the internet and find the closest Daesh recruiter. That's his religious option, bro. Like, uh, like I think. No, 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 no. Listen, that is. So you're basically saying, look, I do agree that of a very diehard uh, PTI supporter, that there is absolutely no other option, right? And to assume that all of them are exactly like that. I don't think that's true. No, no, we're, we're Look, deliberately typifying somebody. Yeah, yeah, right. So, Jalas have moved on. Jalas have moved to PTI, right? They've or moved to or PTI. PMLN. Or PMLN, right? Jalas have made that move. I think that to say... By the way, some Jalas have gone JUIF in, uh, in, in Sindh. Right. So, I mean, I don't know about that, but... Again, Apparently, just, there's a huge thing in Badin and Tata with, right. uh, with the post-flood yeah. sort of thing. So, I'm just saying he's like... The question of whether this would be sufficiently big to burn them forever from the idea of electoral politics or dump them into, you know, either an extreme left or an extreme right movement is not, I think it's a big hypothesis, one that doesn't necessarily happen. I also think on the reformist agenda, I think the problem with the reformist agenda, and this is where, like, I'm genuinely sympathetic to the PTI now, is that... And where I'm not sympathetic to them is their history. Is there, They don't have any history. No, no, their, it's history, really unfair. their, their history is that <laughs> over five to ten years is that the reformist agenda was broken down into a very small subset of ideas, which was that if there's no corruption, we have enough to go no, around but for what, everyone. What were we expecting? And so so now, 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 look. They now, have a history of eight months, right? To me, this whole notion that the PTI has any kind of history, even with its five years in KP, is, no, no, I no, think it's not. No, it's, I'm talking about the whole period of their opposition where they were building the case to be in government. Yeah, but they were going up against an entrenched political the hierarchy. And, yeah. So, so, so I'm saying is now look at it this way, right? So then when you get into government, like now they say that there's a tweet for every occasion. Partly is that when you break down, why is this proving to be a problem to them? It's proving to be a problem to them is because people 
bought the message. No, but what if we and made the, a Twitter account? Hold yeah. on. What if we made a Twitter account for Nawaz Sharif in 1991? Yeah. So I think he would genuinely feel these issues. I, I'm saying that, you know, and when I we say he, there's a tweet for every occasion, yeah. it's only because, and, and because, it because there's Twitter for now, it's right? Not just there that. was no Twitter. Even in no, 2006, no, there was no it Twitter. It also comes up for Nawaz Sharif. Each time he does, I'm a freshly bathed Democrat who is against the establishment. His whole history of being co-opted by the establishment, in fact, engineered or even being put forward by it, well, it keeps coming well, up. That, that, but that goes for literally every single it, political it party. It goes for every single MQM, party. MQM, PPP. Yeah. I mean, particularly PPP, right? Yeah. This whole notion. So that, but then the pro, then the question is, what's so special about these guys? Why should we be more critical of this new party that's only gotten in the first time than than those other parties? They go, my my yeah. issue with the PPI sure. is very different, right? Yeah. My issue is the dharma. For me, the dharna is foundational in terms of the history and trajectory of this country's yeah. institutional dynamics. Yeah. I'm happy to relitigate the whole argument with you if you No, want. no, I agree with you on that. So, but but, yeah. but saw, apart from that, the tactics that they've used, again, apart from the dharna, the employment of No, my, my a, point is right now is that, look, you were saying that one is that it would disappoint two people too much and that disappointment is not rooted in just their failure, but it was also by taking exceptions, uh, sorry, expectations from zero to a thousand percent. And then it was premised on just a number of things that would yield huge dividends. That is proven to be very difficult. If all those people, as you say, the aunties and uncles, if they were to really realize the reformist agenda primarily would cause pain to actually a lot of their voters, right? They've never understood that. And now that it's coming across, and one of the reasons why the PTI is in such a difficult position and why it's finding difficulties in the press or even in the general public is partly because they are not failing just at government. They're actually, the real root of the failure is failure to meet the expectations that they set. Now, that's one issue. The other thing, like on Asad Omar, you were talking about whatever reformist agenda he had in mind, is one of the things you also have to analyze is, you know, what's my cabinet look like? What's the people, what degree of support do I have? What Now, KP is an entirely different situation where they can literally legislate anything they want to right now. Punjab and the federal, there are issues that remain. And if you are going to start up a reformist agenda at a time when your whole economic stability is sliding, I, I question, I think it's a legitimate question that they posed at him, is... Is your strategy self-contained or does it take into account your own party or does it take into account uh, all the issues that it will raise? And so maybe I was being somewhat flippant talking about being welcoming uh, Hafiz Sheikh, but at least there's one thing about him, which is at that period, you know, he has the experience, he knows. Yes, he will protect the status quo. Yes, because he will will reconstruct the status quo. The one opportunity you had. Look, this government had one opportunity to drive home the reforms. No, this is my basic problem with this argument. My basic problem is, is that when you have, whether the growth over the past five years was sustainable, unsustainable, real, or artificially generated, there was stability. Right. So whether it was in terms of so pricing. what's the best time to introduce quote unquote reforms? I think we all should also yes. should clarify so, so that, for the listener yeah. what we mean by that because yeah, exactly. I have very clear or at least right. a few clear ideas right. about. So I would never introduce massive structural reform that would affect all of society as my economy is sliding. So you okay? So first of all, when your I economy slides, when your economy slides, it's not it's not the entire society that suffers. It's basically poor people and lower middle class. People. Exactly. Rich people do not suffer. So that's I know, point. I know, I know that there's like limu chal surupeke ho right? Like I even had this whole Twitter thing the other day with you know because this, this kind of bullshit notion of yeah. control price yeah. price controls, right? Which yeah. is like from literally from the 1800s. Yeah. Um, but a totally separate conversation. Yeah. In fact, we should have it with a few DMGs yeah. on how to Pakistan. I'll, I'll just put it but, another way. Let me put it another way very quickly. Right after a revolution, do you immediately revolutionize? Or do you first take stock and create 
a basic functioning state. So I, you know, what's funny is as an adult, yeah. I mean, at college, I was actually known to be all like sort of gung ho on on the word revolution. Yeah. You know, because one or two books were written, so you know. Khun khraba, it's shocking when you get it. No, khun khraba, no. But actually, I have to tell you, it's Zach Delaroca's fault. It's not. Right. It's not my Haan. fault. But but he was listening to one or two books covered by the you know. Wo hua wa tha. Anyway, rage, which I have only heard riffs for the reason. So that's funny. Exactly. So, I so, so that's hilarious because because <laughs> people used to say, "Why do you listen to this?" Yeah. And you know, I used to ask them, and they yeah. used to say Tom Morello, and I yeah. used to say Zach Delarocca, and, yeah. and that's almost like a could. Like it's a recurring theme in my life. Is yeah. that some of my closest friends yeah. were huge rage heads, right? right? But but it was funny because their interest in the music was the actual riffs. Yeah, it was Tom Morello, right? Uh. And for me, I mean, he's fantastic. Uh. But actually, the the talent of the band is actually the poetry, right? Like I really think that I think. Outside of Bob Dylan, musical yeah. poetry, lyrical poetry, I don't think anybody's done what he's done. And by the way, Tom Morello is the author of a lot of that stuff. It's not just Zach. No, I know that. I know that. But I am still. I'm 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 I've always been a huge fan. I don't know if you've seen the film Pacific Rim. Uska soundtrack. Uh, I always thought Pacific Rim was like a cheap knockoff of uh, of Transformers, but it's not that. No, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I never watched it. Oh, I love it. I've seen it like twelve times. Right? There are a number of films that are just they give you good B movie feels, and it. You basically have Godzilla versus Transformers in it, and I think the soundtrack to it is amazing. And we'll, Tom Merello's guitar line. By the way, another guy. I, I I don't know if you've heard of Ramin Jawadi. No. Right. So he did the Game of Thrones soundtrack. He has done Elementary. I think he's done this number of Iranian, I think German or whatever. But per admi zara khush bhi hota ki Musliman bhai hai dek. کتنا When your economy slides, is that the time for reform or when you fix it? And my whole thing is like when, again, analogies are terrible. But if you have an artery that's cut, first we snip and make sure the artery is okay, and then we make sure that you never get into a war zone. Or you know, you have the, the, you have the mind and heart of an insafi because it's all uh. this simplistic sort of nonsense. <laughs> 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 Look, and and here I am defending uh-huh. because I really think okay, so the only. The only unforgivable crime is the wasting of an of a crisis. This crisis is gone. Yeah. Here's what I think is going to happen. This is yeah. why I say, inshallah, things are not as bad as they yeah. seem. Inshallah, growth will be better than three uh, percent this coming year. Okay. Somehow, okay. I think a big part of it will be the Saudis and the Emiratis and the Chinese. Okay. Inshallah. We're not We're getting the oil. No, of course we are. Okay. It's nine point two billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's insane. And 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 the best part is that the people that are the biggest beneficiaries of Saudi Arabia's sort of consistent support to this yeah. country, oh Saudi Arabia, oh Saudi uh-huh. Arabia, you know, it's a constant sort of anti-Saudi nonsense, dude. Uh-huh. If you don't like them, stop drinking their oil. Like, dude, I'm to scooty me that day. But uh, but no, I I think that. It's entirely possible that you enter the year 2022 on yet another growth trajectory, probably not fueled to the same extent by deficits the yeah. way this one was, but certainly benefiting from Pakistan's viability as a place that can keep drawing on international finance, whether it's bilateral uh, favors like the Saudi oil facility or something better down the line, inshallah. So what that means is that. You'll restore growth to the economy, yeah. But in the interim, all the problems that this government has faced in the first year, yeah, 
because of the institutional and structural constraints to growth in this country, including, for example, the bureaucracy, yeah. for example, civil military uh, dysfunction yeah. in terms of how they relate to each other, for example, uh, an, an out-of-whack federal system, yeah. all of those problems, they just get buried under the carpet again. Yeah. Because Hafizhik isn't about to enact any yeah. reforms, right? Yeah. The biggest challenge for your for your economy is actually fiscal. Yeah. It's not actually your external yeah. deficit. It's it's the internal one. Yeah. And your fiscal problems, and that's what I mean by wasting an opportunity. I think this country had a glorious opportunity to really dig down and take a lot more from the rich to spend on the not rich. And I think that's not going to happen now. And to me, that's the biggest waste. And you think that it was possible at the beginning of the year? I, ha- I 100% believe that one of the primary points of contention between Asad Umar and the rich boys club that basically worked day and night to get rid of him was that he was not pro-subsidy, either for sugar or for other sectors, and that he definitely wanted to raise taxes on the super rich in this country. And where do you think that he lost the momentum? What was his crucial mistake? He w- he didn't take oath uh, as, a, as a man that was prepared for the job he was entering. He was exactly. prepared. Right. Yeah. But, but this, but again, is this the first, is this really the first finance minister that walked into the job ill-prepared? And do we really give credit to finance ministers who jumped on a plane from DC and landed here with the only preparation they, they have is kind of a neoliberal cookie cutter? Yeah. Because to me, that's not preparation. That's just sustaining the status quo. There's, there's nothing special about being Hafiz Sheikh. Yeah. I mean, he's very competent at keeping things the way so, they are. So, so that's the not point, a, that's where, not something where, where, that, where I disagree. Like I respect Hafiz Sheikh, right? Yeah. Like he's I think he's prob- probably an honest guy, uh, patriotic. Like I don't yeah. doubt his integrity. Like yeah. none of that. But he is not a guy that's going to change the structure of this place. And this place needs structural change. Exactly. The only problem no, is let me when, no, no, uh, the only problem is that the answer to that was never PTI. Yeah. And I knew that and and you yeah. learned that yeah. after <laughs> after voting the wrong way. Uh, not to suggest that any other answers were the right answer, but this wasn't the answer. So that's where there's a there's a sentiment of I told you so, but while we while that sentiment is fine, it's important to not strip away hope. And, and that's really my argument, is that there's an overstating of the current crisis. I, I, I'll come back to this. I think there are two things. One is the, well, let's come to hope first, right? I think that, you know, exuberance, despondency, these are things that happen within governments, their performance, it happens in the times of a nation state, right? And neither is in fixed point positions. These will continue to be as they are. I so whereas you think that maybe how things are bad is being overstated I also believe is that any loss of hope is also being overstated I believe these are temporary these troughs occur and then you have like high points that go on now the second point that I wanted to make is look my issue on strategies look I I do think that I'm actually somebody who my own belief in around 2013-14 was that you had, you're coming out of 60,000 people dying, you have very little electricity, you have a host of problems. And what's the one way you can prevent people from getting poor is that if you peg the dollar at a certain rate, at least you curb inflation. And that has a certain effect that goes on. Obviously, the rate at which it was done was uh, not sustainable. It was problematic. Again, when you come into this now, when you say underprepared, is that the question is, is maybe the intent was fine on Asad Umar's point, but the real thing was that if there was a strategy, it was definitely not communicated well because it happened to flip-flop. There was a lot of populist uh, I can't. I can't believe that and, I've become... And no, and very quickly, like in the beginning, you know, you have to make sure you calm the market. None of that happened. And then if you had a window, that window was basically... August, September, November. Yeah, thrown out by unforced errors. 
So I, I, th- I think it's weird that what I was going to say when yeah. I was interrupting you earlier was, yeah. was just that uh, it's weird how I'm kind of def- like I'm the defender of this thing right yeah. now, which, you know, is a strange place to be. But I look, here's another way to think about it. Asad Umar didn't even get six full months to actually like deliver yeah. whatever it was that was his agenda. Because actually yes. the lack of preparation meant that it we're still longer. not clear. Yeah. No, we're still not clear what his what his vision actually was. I yeah. mean, we have some idea there was that medium-term growth uh, document that yeah. they released, but the, even that was way too late. I mean, why, why January? Why not the day you take over yeah. if you've had so long to prepare? But then if you, if you look at the... I mean, the PMLN had five years. Yeah. Right. Like, so if if the question is, well, you know, he wasn't prepared. Well, we we've already judged that Dodd had the wrong formula. Now, I actually think that's been that conclusion is a little too early. Like, I think that just saying that it was the wrong way without breaking down what the right way was, because yeah. we it sure isn't what we're doing now. Yeah. Right. So. The, the fact that there was stability, there was growth, we did increase the megawattage. Yeah. What, does that, what does that all mean? Yeah. Right? It means that at some level, all of that was working. Yeah. Could that have been sustained indefinitely? Well, if growth the simple grown, math says yeah. No, the simple math says no, right? Because yeah. you would have run into a wall in terms of debt. Yeah. But I don't think that it's a natural sort of straight line equation. And you're right. Yeah. If you keep growing, yeah. then your capacity to borrow and to finance the deficit actually yeah. keeps growing too. Yeah. So, so it actually is possible you could have kept doing that. I mean, what was definitely wrong in what they did is by there was, if my reading of it was that if you curbed inflation, you have a certain poverty effect, which is beneficial. But... I think that the one thing that was definitely wrong from day one is that if you were going to pursue a pegged currency formula, you have to then curb by punitive uh, slabs uh, of certain types of consumption imports, right? The benefit should not be that we can also get Perrier cheaper for everyone else. Hold on, but this is this is one of those... Now we're getting into a totally different debate. Now we're looking at and, history, and, right? And also, I'm worried about SETI because yeah. uh, because time is coming up. Yeah. So, just go and look at what we import. Yeah. Our import bill is largely machinery. Yeah. And oil. Yeah. And gas. Yeah. So, so this this nonsense about Perrier or cheese. Dr. Yeah. Fox loves cheese for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> these are these are these are nonsense narratives. They yeah. actually have no basis in the yeah. data. Yeah. This country was not uh, keeping the dollar rate no, no, pegged no, no. Wait, wait, for the benefit of the rich. It no, was no. keeping it pegged for the benefit of the entire economy, particularly yeah, the yeah. poor, no, no. because fuel inflation. Yeah. Fuel inflation is a very big thing. Right. Is, is a huge thing, and, and that has a poverty the poor effect, most. Right? Exactly. So that's the first thing. But the second thing. Even though cheese idea was a terrible idea, but the argument behind that is is that you start importing consumer items that could conceivably be made within Pakistan, you have a punitive slab on them to whatever degree is allowed under international obligations, just so that it doesn't become all imported goods. Whereas it may not have that kind of effect, but whatever effect it did have, we didn't necessarily need that because, again, if you're talking about taxing the rich, right, you don't want a pro-poor initiative also to fuel let me ask a certain you a kind of consumption. Let me ask you a different kind of question. Yeah. Do we import Pepsi or does Pepsi get made here? Pepsi is the sashes are imported, but it's, it's made Pepsi's here. Pepsi's made here. Yeah. I'm saying here, here is this international company that yeah. makes its product here. Yeah. Why? Why do they make it here? Because it's cheaper here. That's not why they make it here. Yeah. The quantum of demand in this country is yeah. high enough yeah. to justify Pepsi investing money to yeah. build plants yeah. and manufacture their product here. And what's the flip of that argument? What is the flip of that argument? The flip of that argument is like any XYZ, so even if we look at cheese, right, is that if your cheese is prohibitively priced in terms of imports, there are enough niches in the country where it could make sense for you to produce it here. Name one Pakistani cheese that you can eat, Fasi. 
Straight I, up. I love Adam's cheese. You are. I love You are Nur straight Nur. up lying. I love I, it. Wallah. Wallahu al-Azim. Yeah. Wallahu al-Azim. Fil, fil Ramadan. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that 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 uh, that Akhi would uh, would lie like this <laughs> in the holy month. Like, you see what you've look, done to look, me? If you ask me to drink pakola, right, I'd say no. Right? Because I don't like pakola. I know a lot of people it's like it. Beautiful. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful <laughs> drink. It's, it's green. Yeah. Best of all. That's the one I hated the most. What, Bakula? It's ice cream, cream soda, soda dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and everyone loved it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's got like, chlorophyll in it, man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, we, we've probably... So do we agree to... that things are not as bad, or do we still disagree? No. I the question for today I, I, was... I, I, I started off with this, because I think 2007 to 11 was way worse a situation than it is now. So I don't think it's as bad. Okay. The question is, is the question of whether there's a very clear direction of what needs to be done and who's doing it, I think it's probably as bad as people think it is. Uh, yeah, so we clearly still disagree slightly because to me, there's no question that things are not as bad and inshallah, things are gonna get better faster than anybody thinks. Can I ask you a very serious question? Please. When have you not said this? <laughs> I think, look, look, I think I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to be, uh, um, I'm going to try not to be offended by that, but uh, at oh, no, some I level, respect it. I respect it. I, I, at some level, yeah. I do feel like I have to be a little bit, uh, a little bit offended by that. Yeah. But given that uh, we've had a wonderful uh, sort of a conversation, yeah, and uh, it's been a long time coming, yeah. I think on that note of slight agreement, yeah, which is as best as you can get yeah. in this day and age, uh, I will uh, bid farewell to yes. our wonderful audience and thank everyone for uh, for listening. And inshallah, hope to uh, speak to everyone again. Thank you, Fasi Zaka, for coming back to How to Pakistan. With Thank such, you so much. I really enjoyed it. And we're now listening once again. To who, actually? Come on, man. This is our Pakistani sisters from Cruella. Oh, it's Cruella. Okay. I thought we'd just mix it up as, okay. we, as yeah. we sign out. All right. So anyhow, everyone, we're going to see you soon. And hope... Everything is well and remains so. For that is everyone. Love it. I'll be the call when there's no one to tell. Make it like